Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. In the New Testament, the Lord's Day is dealt with as something that God is extremely jealous over. He's possessive over quote-unquote His Day. So let's take a look at the Lord's Day next here on Abounding Grace. For many, it's a chance to network for a few hours on a Sunday. For others, it's a chance to simply get together with friends. But really, what is it we are doing when we belong in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day, His day? Well, glad you asked. We have some amazing answers for you out of Isaiah chapter 58. Honoring the Lord's day is the title of our message. Please join us from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, taking a look at the significance of the Lord's Day. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. One of the most precious and most beneficial gifts that God has given His creation, and especially to His children, is the weekly Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day. Nothing says more about us than our attitude toward and our treatment of the Sabbath. Nothing will bring us more blessings than the Sabbath properly observed. And nothing you do or I do is more revealing of the depth and maturity of our Christian faith than the way we observe the Christian Sabbath. This is all the more true because of the American culture in which we live. Its disregard for the sanctity of the Sabbath reveals its hatred of the God who sanctified it for all of mankind. What we see today is America killing itself, trying to convince itself that Sunday is not a holy day. But what makes matters worse is that most professed Christians in America treat the Lord's Day as an ordinary day and not as a holy day. They treat it with the same disrespect that the unbelievers treat it, revealing the same hatred of its sanctification. Oh, they may fill a pew at church for an hour on Sunday, But the rest of the day is theirs to play, to recreate, catch up around the house, go out to a ball game, or do those things we love to do with our family, such as watch TV all day. Some churches even further their disregard for the Lord's Day by having worship services on Saturday evening, of course, as well as Sunday for those who want to salve their conscience so they can spend the whole Sabbath day at the lake or the ball game unfittered by guilt. 
We cannot entirely blame pastors for their failure to uphold the glory and the beauty of the Sabbath in their congregations, leaving the people in the dark regarding the sanctity of Sunday, although they are greatly to blame for what our culture has become. But don't forget, beloved, the word of the Lord is written on everyone's conscience, whether he is a Christian or not, because he was created in the image of God. And Christians have had the law of God engraved deeply as it was rewritten on their hearts by the Holy Spirit. So that when any human being, and especially a Christian, disregards the sanctity of the Lord's Sabbath and treats it according to his own preference rather than according to God's revealed will, he has to willfully suppress the truth in that unrighteousness. He must deliberately deceive himself, callous his own conscience, and contradict what he is as a human being. As the Bible says, those who reject God injure themselves, and those who hate God love death. But we, brothers and sisters, are pro-life. We love life. We gladly recognize the sanctity that God has given to life. We've been given eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit to empower us to live life to the fullest, to the glory of God. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And we know that God has given us His laws in the Bible to protect, to enhance and beautify that life that He has given us by His grace. God said in the book of Deuteronomy, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, and that I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, by holding fast to Him, for this is your life and the length of your days. And the fourth commandment in Exodus 20 is one of the divine laws that God has given us that will protect, enhance, and beautify your life and the life of your family if you will simply obey it. Have you ever noticed that the fourth commandment is the longest of all the commandments? Why? To impress us with its central importance. Remember what it says? We read it earlier. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt you labor and do all thy work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, not thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, nor thy cattle that is within thy gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sun that and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In fact, this Sabbath day, which is, every, which is in every week, is so holy, so special, and so delightful to God, that defiantly refusing to observe it and trampling on it by doing whatever we want to do was in the Old Testament a capital crime. And I'm here to say today it should also be in America as well. Turn with me, if you will, to these Old Testament passages. First, Exodus 31, 12 through 17. Exodus 31, 12 through 17. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath day, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Remember, this is the word of God, brothers and sisters. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And that was refreshment of joy and contemplation. Now turn to Exodus 35, 1 through 3. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded, that ye should do them. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you an holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. And then in case you're wondering whether or not they ever enforced this commandment, turn to Numbers 15, 30 through 36. Numbers 15, 30 through 36. And you may be saying, these are just Old Testament passages, but just hold your horses, we're getting there. But the soul that doeth aught presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproaches the Lord. And that soul shall be cut off from among the people, because he hath despised the word of the Lord, and hath broken his commandment. That soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. 
and they put him in a ward because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones. And he died as the Lord commanded Moses. Now let me ask you a question. Why is the Christian Sabbath so special that God makes it the punishment of profaning it so severe? Because of its purpose in the life of his beloved children. He did not give us a weekly Sabbath to burden us and to stifle us, but to free us for the glorious privilege of worshiping God and enjoying Him on His day entirely. The best book I know of by far, although there are several books on this subject that are excellent, is by Joey Piper of Greenville Seminary called The Lord's Day. It is a great book, and I highly recommend it to you all. It even has a very good chapter on how parents can make the Lord's Day delightful for your children. Now, the purpose of the weekly Sabbath is spelled out in God's promises contained in Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. Let's read those once again. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. These are actually the two verses that we're going to concentrate on today. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So let's begin by looking at the context of these two verses. Isaiah 58 The prophet is exposing and rebuking Israel's apostasy in general. But specifically, he was rebuking the lifeless formalism of Israel in the worship of God. Yeah, they go through all the right motions of worship. They do everything in the worship service that God commands them to do. And they even take pride in that fact. But here it says it counts for nothing with God at all. Because all along they are still clinging to their unrepentant sins. And then Isaiah concludes this chapter by calling Israel to repentance. And says if your repentance is real. If the formalism, the externalism of your worship and of your religion is to pass off the scene, then you will delight in the Sabbath and in the worship of God on the Sabbath. And you will observe the Sabbath the way God has commanded in His Word. In other words, He is saying the antidote to this formalism, this hypocritical externalism 
of going through the right motions while your heart is far from God. The antidote is the great privilege of the Sabbath and the blessings of God that comes with the proper heartfelt observance of the Sabbath day. So let's look first of all at verse 14. Because in that verse, we are given promises from the living God for those who honor the Sabbath day. And there are basically three. He says, first of all, you will take delight in the Lord. This is a promise. The word delight in Hebrew means exquisite pleasure. So to light in the Lord is to be overwhelmed with His glory. To be overwhelmed with His majesty. All of His perfections. All of His works of creation and providence and redemption. To be overwhelmed with what God has revealed about Himself in the Scriptures. It is also to enjoy communion and infinite fellowship with Him in gratitude and praise for His loving you and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord's day is a day in which God says, You will delight in me. You will find the greatest pleasure and joy in your life as you repent of your sins and treat this day as the holy day that it is. And on that day, as you delight in me, I will come to you and we will enjoy communion and fellowship together. Notice the second promise. The second promise God says is, I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. Brothers and sisters, this is language of victory. Turn with me to Deuteronomy, where we see this verse first occur. Deuteronomy 32, 9 through 13. Deuteronomy 32, 9 through 13. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, flourisheth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. That is, he gave him victory over all his enemies. Look now at the 33rd chapter of Deuteronomy, verses 26 through 29. Deuteronomy 32, 26 through 29. There is none like unto the God of Jeshuron, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. 
Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob will be upon a land of corn and wine. Also his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellence. And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. So here the promise of God taken from this language of Deuteronomy says that if you delight in the Sabbath, God will cause you to rise to the heights of the earth. That is just as he promised victory for Israel from all earthly enemies as they are faithful to him. So God down through the ages promises to faithful Sabbath keepers victory over all their enemies. And what are our greatest enemies in this world? They are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the word, the world, the flesh, and the enemies, Satan that energizes this age and seeks to make all people do his will, the sin that still remains in us and clings to us, those are the greatest enemies we will ever face. And God says to those who faithfully keep the Sabbath, I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and give you victory over the greatest and most threatening enemies of all the world, the flesh, and the devil. In other words, to put it in New Testament language, Sabbath keeping is a means of grace. If we keep the Sabbath as God demands of us, then God will help us to die more and more unto sin and grow more and more unto righteousness. He works in our lives, conforming us more into the image of Christ and bringing our lives and our behavior and our desires into greater conformity to the revealed Word of God. I believe one of the reasons for the prevalent spiritual and moral weakness of the church today is their failure to honor the means of grace, most particularly their failure to honor the Lord on his day. Now notice the third promise in verse 14. God says, I will feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father. To feed on an inheritance is figurative language for enjoying the benefits of that inheritance. So when God says, I will make you feed off the inheritance of Jacob, your father, he is promising us full and practical enjoyment of all the promises of God's covenant and all the benefits of salvation. He says, if you repent of your sins and keep this day as I require, then I will cause all my providence promises in my covenant with you to come true in your life. I will cause you to experience in your own personal history all the privileges and benefits and blessings of salvation. And then if you doubt whether or not this is a certain promise, notice how this verse concludes. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. That guarantees the certainty of these promises. God has spoken it. He will cause us to...
to delight in Him, to be overwhelmed with His majesty, to enjoy communion with Him. He will feed us all the promises He has made and will give us victory over all our enemies as we are faithful to keep His Sabbath day holy. But we must ask a question to be good and serious students of the Bible. These promises are in the Old Testament. Can we be sure that these Old Testament Sabbath promises apply to us today? And the answer is most definitely. Particularly when we go back to the broad context of our text. Going all the way back first to Isaiah 53, we see a great messianic prophecy. In Isaiah 53, you have the gospel spelled out as clearly as anyone could want it. That the Lord Jesus Christ came as the suffering servant to lay down his life for sinners. And that is Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. As we close out our time today, I'd leave you with our address, phone number, and our website, 408-866-07. Or visit our website and leave us an email, reformedheritage.org. We also have past messages available, uh, an extensive library of audio that you can tap into at any time for free, right there at our website, again, reformedheritage.org. If you'd rather write to us, the address is Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That is here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Normally, we'd invite you to join us for worship, but since we have been suspended because of the COVID-19 crisis, we invite you to visit our website instead and pick out a couple of recent messages that Pastor Gary has delivered here at Reformed Heritage Church. Again, reformedheritage.org. We'll also give you updates at that website as to when we return to normal worship. And you're always welcome to call us as well for that kind of information, 408 866 5607. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. <music>